You are listening to a message from Parkway Church in Toronto. We hope that you enjoy this message, and if you would like to know more, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com, and find out who we are and what we're about as a church family. I am glad to be here this morning, and it's kind of neat because I've had Jay's dad speak at our church. Jay just said he was there, and Mitch is there, so... Uh, three generations now speaking in Dresden. That is, that is awesome. Amen. And I do appreciate all the help that you give us as a church. Um, everyone that has come has come with a, a real servant's heart, and I think that uh, speaks well of your congregation and your pastor. Thank you so much. Um, we have no slides for you, so we went old school. Can you turn in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 21? I did um, make some slides, but uh, it's not compatible with what you have. So John 21, sermon's called Breakfast on the Beach. Sounds good, doesn't it? Maybe not this time of year in Corona, but... (laughs) If you're there, say, I have it. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. Welcome to, they all said. So they went out in a boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard, and he dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them bread And the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. It's good to start a message with the word of God, eh? You still use the Bible right here, right, Jay? Oh, good, good. That's a good thing. You know, you would almost think that the gospel of John would have ended... At chapter 20. 
Those who came to visit Jesus' tomb, they found the stone rolled away. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene and his disciples. Thomas had this special encounter with Christ that enabled him to overcome his doubts. And Jesus breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. He commissioned them to tell others how their sins could be forgiven. It seems like the perfect ending to a great story. And then along comes chapter 21. And I think chapter 21 is great news that there's another act to John's gospel. There was some unfinished business at the end of the life of Jesus. And it primarily deals with one man. This disciple, Simon Peter. And chances are that I think we can see a lot of ourselves in Peter's life. Peter was in a world of hurt at the end of the story. And Jesus cared for him too much to leave his hurt unresolved. Now, you may recall why Peter was so miserable. He was this gung-ho disciple. He was capable and he was confident and he was brash and he was bold. He would often speak first and think later. Do you know someone like that? Don't look at them. (laughs) Peter wanted to be a great disciple. He wanted everyone to know that he was the guy that Jesus could count on. And Peter made a lot of promises. And he even insisted that he would die for Jesus if it were to come to that. Have you ever made a similar commitment to God? Lord, you can count on me. I'm all in. This time, I won't mess up. Have you ever done that? I know I have. Jesus knew better than to take Peter and his words at face value. He basically told him, actually, I can't count on you. In fact, you are going to deny me three times before the sun comes up and the rooster crows. Everything unfolded just as Jesus predicted that it would. Peter refused to be identified as one of Jesus' followers three times on the night of the Lord's arrest. And then, as you all know, the rooster crowed. It was a moment when Peter was brought face to face with his frailties. And he saw his own weaknesses up close. He saw his sin for what it was. And if you are like me, you'll probably feel a little bit of a kinship with Peter. Maybe you are are, are one of those persons who has lived a perfect life. Maybe you are squeaky clean. You have never experienced the crushing feeling of embarrassing yourself and letting yourself down and feeling as if you have let God down in the process. But we all know people like that don't exist except for the Lord Jesus Christ and Pastor Jay. You know, (laughs) go ahead and laugh at that. Go ahead. You know, we all know that feeling. I have let Jesus down. And many of us have made bold promises to him that we have broken. We've made commitments that we haven't kept. We've, we've all heard the rooster crow and we've come to our senses realizing just how bad that we blew it. And that's why the last chapter of John was written. It's to show us that, that big foul-ups happen, but Jesus still wants to have breakfast with us. 
the last chapter of John opens on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples were, were all in a boat, and Jesus was on the beach, and he's watching them fish. And again, they, they don't know it's Jesus at this point. Now, this is where Jesus first met Peter three years earlier. Peter had gone back to the only job he knew, catching fish. When we have a, a personal failure, it opens the door for the enemy to really just blast us to smithereens. By going fishing, Peter was saying that, that he was finished. He had had his chance at following Christ, but he blew it. He denied him three times. And we tend to do the same thing. Whenever we fall down, we are quick to believe the lies of the enemy and the lies that we tell to ourselves. You've let God down. You've let yourself down. Don't even bother going back to God. Don't pray about it. God's fed up with you. He won't listen. You've blown it for the last time. And I think that was Peter. And by going fishing, Peter is, is throwing in the towel. As far as he was concerned, it was three strikes and you're out. And maybe again, you can relate to that this morning. Whenever we fall down, our confidence takes a blow. And we tend to, we pull back. We pull back from prayer and we pull back from time in the Bible and we pull back from church and we pull back for service to the kingdom. And the next thing we know, we find ourselves going back to the place that we came from. Some people go back into a former addiction and others will return to a bad relationship. Many will go back to negative thinking. Some return to old friends. And even though we never find fulfillment or satisfaction in those things, and, and even though we feel worse instead of better, at least it's familiar territory. And we go back to what we know. When Jesus showed up early in the morning by the shores of Galilee, the disciples had been fishing all night, and they caught nothing. They'd gone back to what was comfortable. And by the end of the night, they hadn't caught a thing. Going back to what Jesus called us from has a way of leaving us really, really empty. And Jesus called out, said, have you caught any fish? And I wonder if he said it a bit sarcastically. He already knew they hadn't caught any fish. That returning to their old ways was fruitless. And I think a modern equivalent might be to say, hey guys, how's that working for you? And so Jesus offers them this solution. He says, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat, then you'll get some. Through the night, I'm sure they tried the right side, the left side, the front side, and the back side. And I, I imagine they're all thinking, hey, that's a great idea, buddy. And for whatever reason, they listened. They threw the net on the right-hand side of the boat, and they scored the greatest catch ever. It was more than they could lift. Have you ever been fishing all night and caught a whole lot of nothing? I'm not talking about small and largemouth bass either. If you've been fishing for friendship, Jesus can show you where to find it. If you're looking for acceptance, he knows where that is too. Are you looking for healing? Look to Jesus. 
looking for significance, security, satisfaction. Listen to the voice that is calling out from the shore. He still knows where you can find them all. It is truly very liberating to admit to Jesus. Actually, I don't have anything. Or I actually feel miserable. Or what I am doing isn't helping at all. And once we admit those things, we open ourselves up to his solution. John was the first to recognize that it was Jesus on the shore. And Peter, impulsively, he jumps out of the boat and he swims to shore. And the, the other disciples followed and they tow this net that is full of fish behind their boat. Perhaps Peter was trying to work his way back into the good graces of Jesus. I'm the first one here, Jesus, reporting for duty. You can count on me. Peter still didn't get it. Jesus couldn't count on Peter, and he can't count on us. But here's the good news. We can count on him. Jesus says to Peter, and he says to us this morning, you're not dependable, but I am. You're not going to come through, but I am. You're going to fail me, but I'm not going to fail you. Saving the world doesn't rest on you. It rests on me. When it came to Peter, Jesus was definitely going to trust him to do big things in the future. Peter was going to be the cornerstone of the early church. And Jesus knew that before Peter was ready for that responsibility, he had to know that Jesus was the real cornerstone. And as long as Peter believed that it all depended on him, then Jesus couldn't use him. Peter needed to depend on Jesus first. Jesus taught the same truth in John 15, 5 and 7. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. Peter had forgotten all that. He tried to do things his way. He denied Jesus. He fished all night. He caught nothing. Jesus was teaching, I think, this same truth to Peter all over again. And we all need to come to this realization. Our prayer needs to be, Jesus, you're the vine and we're the branches. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to put my net down? Where do you want me to go? How do you want me to speak? What do you want me to be a part of? Am I fishing in the right place today? Am I sowing the right seeds in the right way? Am I investing in the right person? I realize that apart from you, I can do nothing. When the disciples landed on shore, they saw a fire with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus already had breakfast going for them. And it's in this relaxed environment of gentle wood smoke and crackling warmth that Jesus began to speak to Peter. Jesus didn't commend Peter on a fantastic swim from the boat, but he didn't chew Peter out for denying him in the high priest's courtyard. He, Jesus didn't rebuke Peter in any way for failing him. 
Jesus simply invited Peter for breakfast. Whenever we've had a long night of nothing, that's what Jesus does for us too. Jesus simply asks, you guys want to eat? No lecture, no condemnation, no rebuke, just acceptance and provision. That is mercy and grace on display. Jesus wants us to understand our, our constant need for the extravagant grace of God. We need his grace when we first come as sinners to receive salvation. We need his grace when we sin again and again and again. We need his grace when we deny him. We need his grace today and tomorrow and every day ever after. Jesus serves us in our emptiness. He feeds us after we've let ourselves and him down. If you're tired, if you're beat down, if you're exhausted, if you're burned out, if you, if you feel like you're going under, Jesus says to you this morning, would you like some breakfast? Next, Jesus served his disciples the bread and the fish. And we, we, we get the idea that the, the Christian life is about what we do for God. Jesus let his disciples know that God does everything for us and through us. After a long night of nothing, after we fail him, this is a sum total of what you are going to hear from him. Good morning. Come have breakfast with me. I have a fire going with some tasty barbecued fish and some fresh warm bread. Come sit down and eat with me. Have fellowship with me. Let me feed you. Let me provide for you what you need for this day to come. I am life and strength for you. I am grace for you. I am power for you. I'm mercy for you. I'm everything you need. I'm here. I have it all prepared. Would you like some breakfast? Are you starting to get hungry? When Peter and Jesus finished the breakfast, Jesus invited Peter for a walk, and he, he asked him some questions. Really, it was only one question. It was asked three times, do you love me? Jesus started by asking it slightly different. He said, do you love me more than these? And maybe he was gesturing to the, to the boat and to the nets. Peter's former way of living, do you love me more than these? Maybe he was gesturing to the other disciples and, and asking Peter where he thought he ranked among his companions. Whatever the case, Peter responded, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus knew Peter truly did love him. He also knew that Peter was a, a work in progress. And for all Peter's mistakes, his love was still very evident. Jesus knew that under all Peter's bold, brash proclamations, Peter really did love Jesus. So why did Jesus ask the question three times? The more times Jesus asked the same question, the more frustrated it seemed Peter became or the more broken. Jesus didn't want Peter to be confident in Peter. Jesus wanted Peter to be confident in God. So the second time Jesus asked Peter the question, Jesus told him to feed his sheep. And the final time Jesus asked Peter the question, he said the same thing, feed my sheep. 
In other words, Jesus was telling Peter to build his church. Jesus was telling Peter he wasn't disqualified just because he blew it. And it's something we all need to remember. We're not disqualified. We're, we're not out because of the thing we need most is not to be perfect, but it's to be in love with Jesus. There are consequences to our decisions. And the scripture says that, that whatever we sow, we're going to reap. There are consequences for letting ourselves down and letting Jesus down. And many of us live with the consequences of the terrible choices that we have made in the past. And those consequences are real and there's no magic eraser to remove them. But guess what? Grace is more powerful than consequences. Grace overwhelms consequences. Even with circumstances, uh, I'm sorry, even with consequences, there is love and grace and mercy. Jesus says to us, I, I know you messed up. And I know there are consequences, but I want to walk you through those consequences. I want to love you through those consequences. I even want to use the consequences in your whole big story. Our stories are all different here this morning. And maybe your consequences will be miraculously removed or healed or pardoned or restored or smoothed over. Or maybe your story is that God will use you mightily to speak truth and life to people who are experiencing the same consequences as you. The good news is that those consequences don't dictate your life. God is bigger than consequences. Even if you denied Christ, he will still serve you breakfast. He will still serve you mercy and love. He will still use you to build his church. The Bible promises that God's faithfulness is great and his mercies are new every morning. Now listen, that means Jesus' breakfast is served and served and served again and again and again. It doesn't matter what, whatever your night of nothing was about. There is new mercy available Every morning, breakfast is served fresh before any problems are sorted out. Mercy is the first course. No wonder they call it the most important meal of the day. Jesus is saying to, to all of us that, that nothing will ever divide us from his love. And that includes our failures. The gospel of grace can feel absolutely scandalous. When we're put face to face with the gospel of grace, it just seems too good to be true. We think there must be some judgment or some punishment or some condemnation or some court of law or some fine that we have to pay or, or some piano to fall on our head. But there isn't. All the condemnation already went on Jesus at the cross. All the penalties are removed by Christ. All that's left is breakfast on the beach. So come and eat, my friends. Come and eat. Let's bow our heads this morning.
if you're here this morning and you're just um, battling and you're saying, you know what, I, I just feel like Peter did. I feel like I've, I've blown it. I failed Jesus and God can't use me and I'm disqualified. And I just need his mercy and grace served to me fresh this morning. If that's you this morning, I want you to just raise your hand to God today. I want to pray for you this morning. Who needs a, a fresh helping of God's grace and mercy? Thank you so much for listening to our message. If you liked what you heard, we would love to have you join us on a Sunday morning here in Corona at 551 Murray Drive. Our service time is at 10 a.m. If you would like to know more about Parkway and who we are as a church and a community, or if you'd like to look at events or listen to our other messages, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com.